Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. One thing is certain. This world we live in is not boring. Something is happening every day, every minute, every hour. Uh, not all necessary good, generally bad, very little kumbaya out there these days. Uh, I try to take the scab off the wounds and expose to you some things that are going on which are generally detrimental, though every now and then I come across a piece of joy to share, and make you aware of what's going on, because the media does not always tell us what is going on. I find this more and more, and I am sure you do also. I want to start with Saudi Arabia today. Saudi Arabia, that great, great nation out there in the Middle East, they took a desert and they made a country out of it. They made cities out of it. Golf courses, lawns, flowers, major hotels. They've got them all. Okay? And you got to remember about Saudi Arabia. They gave us $4 a gallon gasoline. They're our friends, by the way. $4 a gallon gasoline. Also, 17 of the 21 uh, terrorists that were involved in 9-11 were citizens of Saudi Arabia. Such being said, they are our friends. Now, they have a, a huge business with milk. They have dairy herds, like you wouldn't believe over there, dairy herds. Now, the the, the, the cows, I'm going to call them cows with all due respect, uh, eat alfalfa hay. They can grow the hay in their own country, the Saudi Arabians, but they're using their own water. And when you're when you're filling a, a desert with water, you're pumping it in and everything, water is limited. But they still need the alfalfa hay, but they found that they can go and plant it in another country and transport it back to Saudi Arabia and save money and not use their own water, conserve their water. So what have they done? Because they don't want to waste their water in Saudi Arabia. They went to California and Arizona. Uh, you recall, you know this, I had a show on this about oof, three months ago, uh, and I wrote a uh, Life column on it uh, about California and the drought. They haven't got enough water in California. It's terrible what's going on in California with regard to water. And you're aware also that California, most of our fruits in this country that we eat are grown in California the perfect weather but we don't have we do not have the water so can't grow as many fruits and vegetables and that's why things cost a little more my friends at the supermarket now what do these people want to do the saudi arabians they got a lot of money remember that they are going out and they're buying up farmlands where these poor farmers can't make a buck big now and they can't get enough water things are tough they're going to these farmers I'd say, geez, your land's drying up, et cetera. We'll buy it from you. We're going to save you from mortgage foreclosure. And they're buying up this land. And they're buying this farmland because they want to grow the alfalfa hay for their cows in Saudi Arabia, in California, and Arizona. By so doing, they are not deplenishing their supply of water. Uh, now, the proof of the pudding, they have thus far, Saudi Arabia has thus far spent $32 million in California and $48 million 
in Arizona to buy up such lands to grow alfalfa hay here for their dairy herds there. And what we're really doing, well, what the Saudi Arabians are really doing is there's an indirect exportation of water here from the United States to Saudi Arabia, from states that don't have enough water because they, we have to use it. The Saudi Arabians are going to use it to grow alfalfa hay, and we're exporting so they don't have to use their water. They can conserve. Ergo, we're exporting our water. Smart people. And these are people, too, by the way. We don't always agree anymore. They're upset because we don't buy uh, as much oil from them. We we got a lot of our own today. Uh, I say too bad. That's why you got gasoline selling two dollars and under in this country. Uh, we, we we're producing most of our own uh, gasoline for consumption, and they're upset about this. Over in Syria, we're on opposite sides of the fence. They these are our friends, our allies, Saudi Arabia, but yet we're supporting one group that's over there fighting in Syria. They're supporting another with dollars and airplanes and bombings. So we're literally fighting each other, and we're friends. We are friends. So much for friends. Let's talk about Gaddafi. Remember Gaddafi? Muammar Gaddafi, Libya. Uh, let's start, though, not Muammar. Let's start first with the French Revolution. Remember the reign of terror? How many people were guillotined? Boom, the heads rolled. Louis the Fifteenth. Louis the Fifteenth was... Uh, king of France at the time. And he predicted when the rumblings were starting in the streets and there might be a revolution, he said, and I quote, after me, the deluge. After me, the deluge. And what he was saying is there's going to be complete chaos, complete chaos if, if they turn me, if they throw me out. So now we come to Muammar Gaddafi. Before being overthrown as Libya's dictator, he warned the West. He warned the West. He said, after me, the jihad. I quote, after me, the jihad. And he wasn't wrong. We got rid of Gaddafi, and we've got the al-Qaeda, we got the Taliban, and we got ISIS in there. It rec recently, a 2011 telephone uh, call between Gaddafi and British Prime Minister Blair uh, was released to the media. And in that telephone conversation, Blair says, look, we want a regime change. Why don't you retire? Uh, we'll take you out of the country. We'll take you wherever you want to go. You've got all your money salted away. You can take all your wives, all your children, anybody you want, but you've got to get out of there. We can't leave you in power. And he warned in that telephone conversation, after me, the jihad, and he told him, Al-Qaeda's all over the place. And where was Al-Qaeda the strongest at that time? This is amazing. In Benghazi. Benghazi. Benghazi happens to be the second largest city in Libya. Well, what do we do? We, we, we went and we got rid of Gaddafi. We sent in NATO. We had planes uh, from the United States and France. It was really an air war. We toppled Gaddafi. Uh, isn't that nice? We went in. We were part of the group to top of Gaddafi. Even we've got to learn in this country. We shouldn't go out and try to democratize other nations, because we're a democracy. Doesn't mean Libya has to be a democracy or Iraq had to be a, a democracy. Because every time we go someplace and try to do something in the modern era, we end up in a war. 
People don't want to be taken over and turned into another lifestyle. When are we going to learn this? Anyhow, because it doesn't put any money in your pocket or mine either. Uh, what happened to Gaddafi? They found him in a drain pipe. He was alive. He was hiding. They beat him. They sodomized him. They gave him what they gave Mussolini in Italy. They, he was shot in the street by a mob. His body was draped on the hood of a car and driven around. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, this was her baby, Libya. Libya. Just like, that's why she was involved with the Benghazi thing. She was Secretary of State at the time. Uh, and she was Secretary at the time that uh, he was toppled, okay? And she wanted to advance Libya into a democracy more than anyone else. She pushed this. She pushed this. And she told, she told, uh, a story, Gaddafi died while she was on TV, excuse me, Gaddafi, she was being interviewed on TV and word came that Gaddafi died. And you know what she said when she heard it? Remember, and this is Lewis now, remember Julius Caesar, Veni, Vidi, Vici, I came, I saw, I conquered. She said in that TV interview when she found out, and I quote, we came, we saw, he died. And she said it with glee. I'm beginning to wonder if we can trust this woman to be president of the United States. I know we can't trust uh, Trump. I don't know who the hell I'm going to vote for. I don't know who any of us have a choice to vote for anymore. Let's go to Congress. This I don't understand either. The Congress of the United States. Uh, you will recall we had a spending bill, an omnibus spending bill in December, the House spending, the budget bill. And the president signed it. We didn't have the government shut down for the first time in years. And this is good for a year, I think, or two years, this bill. Everybody was happy. The president's happy. The Republicans are unhappy, are happy. And we're told this is for $1.1 trillion. That's the budget, $1.1 trillion. Here it is about a month later. And when I hear it on the news, and I read in the newspaper or on the Internet, they're now talking $1.8 trillion. So my first question is, how did this thing go in a month from $1.1 trillion to $1.8 trillion? Does it make sense to me? Nobody talks about it, and the media doesn't question anybody, anyone about it. Now, last July, when they were negotiating the budget, there was, you won't believe this, we have been giving money the last couple of years to the neo-Nazi party in the Ukraine. And we give money to the neo-Nazi party in the Ukraine because they are fighting Putin's forces, all right? Well, Congress felt when they were negotiating the budget, should not do this anymore. It doesn't make sense to support a neo-Nazi group. It's not American. I happen to agree with this, by the way, uh, not to do it. Well, the Pentagon, they did it. Come November, the Pentagon picked up on it that that money was gone out of their budget, and they told Congress, we need that money in there. It happens to be $64 billion, my friends, $64 billion. And because the Pentagon wanted it in there to give to the neo-Nazis to help them fight Putin, it's back in the budget. There's $64 billion in that budget that Congress passed, the president signed. And interestingly, the neo-Nazi party in the Ukraine 
only took in about 10% of the vote in the last election. They're really not a power. They're a small group. But the Pentagon wants them there because they're our friends, and they are opposing our, quote, enemy, unquote, Putin. I don't know. Let's talk about my column in this week's Conk Life. Uh, I wrote about, I call it Late Night Diner. Edward Hopper, the Nighthawks, famous painting uh, that he did in 1942. Edward Hopper is a great American painter. Uh, he died in 1967. Nighthawks is the picture. You've seen it, most of you. It's a, a painting late at night of a diner on a corner. The diner's lit up inside. There's Three people, two men and a woman at the counter, and the counterman. The street outside is dark. That's all it is. It's a stark, stark uh, piece of work. He painted it. And it was bought up within two or three months by the art, uh, an art gallery. Uh, I think it's the International or something Art Gallery. I haven't got the name corrected. It's immaterial, but I apologize. I can't remember the exact name, but it's an art gallery of Chicago a word before that, I think it's the Independent Art Gallery of Chicago, for $3,000. Good good bucks back then. The, a copy of the bill, I found a copy of the bill uh, of sale for $3,000. Uh, the painter only netted, and he was famous in 42, by the way. He netted $1,971. The commission in those days was a third instead of 50% as it is today. He had to give his gallery where it was, was being uh, posted on a wall, $1,000, and there were $29 in uh, out-of-pocket costs. Anyhow, why did I write about it? Well, I like the painting. <laughs> I've always liked the painting. Uh, and I did a little homework, and it's the story of how he came to do the painting, how he did the painting, his wife Josephine and her help in doing the painting. They kept a journal about everything, about all the paintings they did while they were doing them, how they got to sell the painting to the art gallery in Chicago, who still keep the painting, by the way. They've never tried to sell it. And since that time, how many people, how many movies, books, poems, TV shows have copied that setup. Not exactly, but have copied that setup. Even The Simpsons, they had a show one night where they're all eating at the counter, and it was a takeoff on Nighthawks. Uh, if you look, I, I'm a, I, I love classic movies, Ted Turner. Love it. Love it. I, I watch that more than anything else on TV. And if you watch the opening sequence before they're, they're going to start their big movie today or something, they have some great music, the, you know, the band, the boom, 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 everything's rolling, the buildings are moving fast. There's six or seven sequences. The first sequence, the first sequence is the painting, Nighthawks. Nighthawks. Why he called it Nighthawks is interesting, too, because one of the men sitting at the counter had a, a nose that was pointed, <laughs> and nighthawks are birds that have small pointed beaks. Uh, he was influenced to some degree by Ernest Hemingway in doing the painting. In 1927, note the painting was done in 42. In 1927, Hemingway wrote the short story, The Killers. And in The Killers, uh, there's a description in the book, 
uh, and it subsequently became a movie, I believe, with with Humphrey Bogart, and described as a street corner in New York City. Uh, there is a restaurant. It's dark, but you can see the lights inside. It's it's a physical setup. The layout's the same. The the colors, etc., are not the same. But it was a takeoff on that. I just thought it was an interesting thing to write about, and it brought to my mind a fellow by the name of Jack Barron, who was a famous painter here and good friend of mine in Key West, who died several years ago. And it's all tied in. If you get a chance, read my column, Late Night uh, Diner, D-I-N-E-R. Uh, if you're not in the area and you don't get the Conquer Life newspaper, go to my Key West Lou website. It's linked there. You can find it. Now we're going to go to something interesting. Everything's interesting I talk about, I think. Uh, I want to talk about Donald Trump a little bit. First of all, I see that uh, this evening, a little after 6 o'clock, uh, Sarah Palin, we, we had a big hup do on TV, Sarah Palin, uh, announced that she was supporting Trump for the Republican nomination. I thought she was an idiot when she ran for vice president. It was proven when Katie Couric interviewed her and asked her, what do you read? What newspapers, what magazines? And she had no response. Uh, you know, she's a charming figure. How she became governor of Alaska, I don't know. I read her book. I still couldn't figure it out. She's made a lot of money since she ran for vice president. Uh, she and her family have to be multimillionaires. She speaks everywhere. And she is a leader of the Tea Party, or the Tea Party looks up to her. And she endorsed Donald Trump today, which he's looking for the uh, far-right vote in Iowa, 13 days to the primary there, the caucus. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like the blind leading the blind. I don't know if that's apropos. I, th- I don't think she's got it. And Trump, he may be a terrific businessman. He's a hard ass. He builds buildings. He makes a ton of money. He beats up contractors. He beats up uh, banks. I can see how he does it. Doesn't necessarily mean he'd make a good president. But I want to say it doesn't necessarily mean he'd make a president. Forget a good president. And I just think he's wrong for this country. He's wrong for the people of this country. And I fear, and I fear he may be president. And if he is president, we could end up in deep shit trouble. So, having said that, I read this weekend... Uh, something in Politico. Politico on January 17th came out with an interesting article. It was by Matthew McWilliams, and it was titled, quote, The One Weird Trait That Predicts Whether You, Whether You're a Trump Supporter. The One Weird Trait That Predicts Whether You're a Trump Supporter. And they're talking about authoritarianism. Now, you know, <laughs> authoritarianism, what does that mean? I had to go look it up. I wanted to be sure, and it, because it is a strange word. Well, what, what, what I found is that it reflects blind submission to authority, blind submission to authority. A new leader, blind submission to his authority. And they also said the tenure is indefinite of that new leader, okay? They don't make it forever. They talk, and uh, they use as an example, with all due respect, Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler. He came on, everybody liked him, he said what they wanted to hear, 
and he gave them Germanic pride again, national pride. He was going to do everything, and actually, uh, within 15 years, he had totally destroyed, destroyed Germany as a nation. Now, the opposite of authoritarianism is democracy. Democracy. Uh, it's individual freedom. It is lost where you have an authoritarian leader. The Republican Party, this article suggested, there are more authoritarian people in the Republican Party than the Democratic Party. 20 years ago, it wasn't that way. Now, why is it today? They didn't explain. I'm assuming maybe because a lot of blue-collar people have moved from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. I'm not sure, though. The term authoritarianism came into being uh, in the 1930s, and it came consistent with and following the rise of Nazi Germany, because the, the educators, the professors, they wanted to know how did this happen in Germany, and man came to this strength. Uh, I, am I saying he's an authoritarian figure, Trump? Absolutely no question. Uh, it, it, people must obey him. Uh, people rally and follow strong leaders. They respond aggressively to others. Think of that situation. Was it last week in South Carolina? An Arab woman dressed in her, her clothing stood up in the middle of uh, Trump's speech. She wanted to say something. And the crowd, the crowd, there were 1,400 people in that room, were aggressive, were nasty to her. Those were the reports. They were yelling and screaming at her. And the woman obviously was escorted up, but all she did was stand up, okay? People, people are attracted to an authoritarian figure when they feel threatened. Now, people play into this authoritarian thing because they're confused. They, they're, they, things haven't been going right. And with Trump, you can see what he says that appeals to them. I will make America strong again. I will build a wall on the border. I promise to close the mosques. I promise to bar Muslims. This James Madison, James Madison wrote the Constitution. James Madison, okay? He said, to watch against, we must guard against, quote, the infection of violent passion. The infection of violent passion. And it is the responsibility, okay, of the press, of the press, press back in those days, uh, press, okay, to watch out for this type of passion that seems to be taking over the government, okay? And if it's failing, if not, and why does it fail? We have an authoritarian figure, absolutely no question, in Donald Trump. I'm not condemning him or anything. I'm just saying the guy isn't the right man to run my country. That's how I feel, or your country, or our country. Now, why isn't the media taking him on? Well, there's one or two reasons, Madison said. It's either they're, they're cowed, C-O-W-E-D, they're cowed. They're afraid to take him, in, take him on. Or they're asleep on the job. We know the media is not asleep on the job today in this country. But they are cowed. I believe they're afraid of him. Look what Donald Trump has done to any of his, any of the people who are running against him in the primary. They speak up against him. He destroys them within days. He goes out and destroys them. Uh, so I think the media is cowed. And this is all, all this is strange. 
All this is strange what's happening. It's a new time in our country, and it's a time to worry. Because I'm going to tell you for the first time, I will tell you tonight, I think he's on the road to the nomination. He's going to get the nomination. And I'm beginning to fear the people in this country will vote for him for president. I fear this so much. So, there he is. Trump's out there. He's the authoritarian figure in these times. And, wow, what's going to happen? Right now, Alzheimer's disease. Terrible, 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 terrible. The Israelis, Israel, just came out with the results of a new study. You have to understand that Alzheimer's in the United States is the sixth leading cause of death. We know what it does to families, all right? They found that marijuana, you got it, pot, marijuana, the THC, the THC in the cannabis, carried significant reduction, caused significant reduction in certain severity uh, issues which arose when a person has Alzheimer's. It significantly reduced irritability, severity, aggression, agitation. Okay? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Insomnia, delusions. Now, our FDA has not looked into this yet. This study is really new. It's about a week old. I hope they do, and if this can help, let it help, because I've seen a lot of families go through hell when a loved one has come down with Alzheimer's. They handle it. They take care of them. They're very good to them, and all of a sudden, got to put them in a nursing home. Uh, not nice, the whole thing, and I hope this is a way to make Alzheimer's easier so the person who has it can live a, a quality existence and the family also. Okay, let's talk about Uber, U-B-E-R, the new taxi company in effect. Let me tell you something. They're big. They're worldwide. Before they opened their doors, they had raised $2 billion. Everyone, all the big people, the wealthy people in this country, corporations who have money to piss away, have invested in great numbers in Uber. It can't fail, I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> there are cities like Key West who fight them and say, oh, no, you can't do it. Our ordinances don't permit it. Uber is terrific. Anyone that's used it, I haven't used it yet. Love it, though, they tell me. The cars are clean. They come quick. Uh, you need a credit card. It contains the tip. You go zing, you're out, and that's it. Much better than a cab. Well, they're getting bigger. In the meantime, we don't have them in Key West. And a lot of other cities don't need them, don't use them, and they're having lawsuits in these cities, and eventually Uber's going to win. That's the way it is. And you're going to have taxi companies in Uber, and eventually Uber's going to eliminate the taxi companies because they're a better product. What are they getting into now? Uber is testing helicopters, okay? They are going to provide local helicopter service in conjunction with Airbus. Airbus. Well, that is the rich. Let me talk about the rich for a moment here. I want to see how much time I got left. I got left time for this. I read an article this weekend that the rich own more than everyone else combined. The rich have more money than everyone else combined. Uh, the, the 62 richest people in the world have more cash than the poorest 3.6 billion. The 62 richest people, not corporations, people have more cash than the poorest 3.6 billion. The wealthiest 
okay, in this country, own more than everyone else combined. The 1%, 99%, that 1% owns more property, has more money than all of the 99% combined. Isn't that terrible? This is income inequality. We don't have all to be millionaires, billionaires, or anything else. Let's get back the middle class we had. Everyone was happy. Everyone's working, making a decent living, sending their kids to college, taking vacations, retiring. It's all changed. All people want is to sit at the table. They want to share in the feast. They don't want the whole pie. They don't want half of the pie. They don't want a quarter of the pie. They want their slice, though, out of it, and I think people are entitled to that. That's the show for this week. Uh, I thank you for joining me. Uh, Remember that the show is archived. It's on Block Talk Radio, YouTube, and it's linked to Key West, my Key West Lou website. Most of you listen to the archived version. It's amazing. Thousands of you listen to the archived version, and nowhere near that number listens to me live. But this Block Talk Radio podcast is the wave of the future, and it's here already. I wrote a book, The World Upside Down. If you like the show, buy my book. If you don't like the show, don't buy the book. You will not enjoy it. I thank you again for joining me, and I look forward to being with you again next 